You're listening to Strength and Bonds, an Async Twilight Imperium podcast. Episode 16, Give the Devs a Shoutout. I'm your host, BLT. Hey everybody, it's another week in Async Paradise. Good stuff happening in PVD 2000 still. I'll give a little update on that later on. Just started another game with Mick Mac Moose, hoping to make it through uh, round two without being eliminated. I'm not next to him this time, so I have high hopes, but we will see. Um, but yeah, I got a, got a few interesting things to talk about this week, so let me just dive right in. The best thing I saw this week is actually um, a few things in the a channel, Starburst Shoutout channel. Uh, so this is a channel that I don't know if everybody knows about. Um, there's an option in Discord to show all channels. There's a little checkbox, and I don't know if everybody has this checked, but um, do a search or whatever, find Starburst Shoutout channel. Um, this is a place that Starber put together because... She just wanted a place to be able to uh, compliment things, um, whether that's in the bot or just um, people even. And so it's just a nice little fun place to be. Um, she would like to you know, clarify that it is not meant to only be shoutouts for Sarber, although if you want to do that, um, I'm not going to complain. So just a couple of things in there this week were like Sarber pointed out that when you do a transaction with someone and you're sending a promissory note, there's a little note that says reminder that unlike other things, you can only send one person or you can only send a person one promissory note in a transaction. So, you know, just nice little uh, rules reminders. And I have been seeing those a lot lately and appreciate those too. Um, we also got a couple people shouting out, um, if you exhaust the Scepter of Emilpar, which is a relic, uh, which lets you follow a strategy card without spending a token, or you can exhaust it instead of spending a token. Um, instead, at least some of the time, maybe all the time, it says, you know, so-and-so exhausted scepter of silly spelling. <laughs> and, you know, just little Easter eggs like that are always fun time because it's so easy to misspell Mplar, Mlmlpar, anyway. Um, so thanks, Starber, for getting that channel started. Again, would love to see people keep going back in there and just sharing things that they think are cool uh, about, again, about the server, about their the people that they're playing with, whatever it might be. All right, anecdote of the week. I got a couple just quick anecdotes that I thought were pretty cool. So first in game, PBD 2083, Kaiser won his Titans. Um, he used Exploration, or they used Exploration Probe to find Dead World. They pulled Obsidian. Gave them Darken the Skies for off of Obsidian, okay. Um, and then was able to Steel Shard and Darken the Skies at the same time. <laughs> so they went from eight to 10 um, when they were... You know, they had already scored all their other secrets. They they weren't going to be able to score um, or win in the action phase. But then, you know, with all this luck, it, it went their way. And I just love stuff like that. Um, it is not as fun when you're on the other side of that, obviously. But, you know, that's TI. You're looking for your path. And sometimes uh, you just kind of get gifted it. Um, you got to be able to take advantage of it still. But uh, the other one that I just loved was back at Matt. Got Minister Rank, actually, this week in PBT 2077 as Muat. Um literally scored the 10th point by using by uh, destroying their greatest ship it was a flagship with nova seed uh, i just loved that so much nova seed i've, I've, I've mentioned Moat's one of my favorite factions i just have a really good time with them usually nova seed i just end up um you know i've, I've literally used it to 
find a third empty space for the objective. It's it's not always that interesting, but you can literally score the 10th point with it. Bravo to you. Okay, I really have been liking bringing in some of those random stats things. Uh, I will probably try to go back in future episodes to more like server type stuff, but I feel like TIGL has almost become kind of an async thing at this point. And I don't know if I'd ever noticed this, but we have um, TIGL results. So I, I think at some point, or, or we, we at least have results like win rates by faction just for all async games. We have that. That exists, and you can run that. But this is TIGL, specifically Twilight Imperium Global League. This is intended to be like more competitive games uh, because they're, they're ranked and, uh, and, and written down and recorded and all that. So let me just share a few highlights from uh, the lifetime TIGL results. You uh, probably won't be surprised that the top win rate is Asarl. And all these, by the way, all these, uh, every single faction on here has at least 50 games. Or, okay, Arborek only has 40 because no one wants to pick them in TIGL games. But, you know, this is a decent sample size, I think, at this point across all these games. So Asarl has a 34% win rate. And next is Empyrean with 25. Okay, so Asarl is, like, by far <laughs> the, the, you know, per game winningest faction in in. Twilight Imperium Global League. Um, Imperian, Necro, Jolnar, Mahakt, Nalu, and Yin, and Hakan. Those are all the ones like above 20%. Um, and then, of course, we, we we go down the line. The ones at the very bottom, sadly, are L1, Mentak. I, I would have thought Mentak was a little higher. I know they're not great, but um, L1 at 8%, Mentak and Sardak at 7%, and last place, Barony of Letnev. Oh, they only also only have 45 games, but um, oh, and Wino only has 30. I missed them. So, but anyway, 4% win rate for Barony within uh, TIGL games. Sorry about that. Really quick a thing two factions have exactly a one in six win rate. That is Arborek and Extra. So, there you go. That's just a little stat thing of the week. I will keep hunting down tidbits to share from the server. But with that, I want to go to Tech of the Week which I'm continuing to pretend is everybody's favorite segment, whether or not that matters to anybody. And grabbing the one off the top here is uh, Lightwave Deflector. Let me just read it. Uh, Lightwave Deflector is a blue tech. It has three blue prerequisites, so it's the end of that blue tech tree, and it says your ships can move through systems that contain other players' ships. So this is arguably the best tech in the game. So I think I talked about Gravity Drive a couple weeks ago. Um, arguably, I would say the second best tech in the game. I think this might be the best one. Now, you know, best for what? That's always the thing. So yeah, if you're trying to increase your um, military might, if you're et cetera, et cetera, you know, this is not going to necessarily help with that. But Lightwave Deflector is my favorite for scoring points. And it almost, again, I feel like it's so obvious why it's good that I... I you know, wasting time talking about it, but especially with my playstyle, I don't technically, I don't typically have like a, a huge military force. Um, but I can probably go take like one planet to to you know score my secret or whatever. And so when that planet is behind some other people's ships, this makes it so I don't have to go, you know, take two systems to be able to get there, or uh, or you know, make two people mad, which again is a big part of my playstyle is to kind of. Uh, be everybody's friend or whatever. So Lightwave Deflector lets me get exactly where I need to go with as little as I need to get there. And so I prioritize Lightwave in a lot of builds. Like as Muat, I definitely like their three-move flagship or uh, uh, Warsun. 
but more importantly is to be able to get that war somewhere I need it to go. So um, I'm, all, I'm kind of always on the fence of like, do I even, you know, which do I prioritize? But if I can make sure I have a blue skip or, or some way to get to light wave, then maybe I try to get both. Um, yeah, I mean, there's just, they talk so much, you talk so much about like trying to make sure people can't get to your home system, for example. Um, light wave deflector makes that more or less trivial. Um, so you have to kind of defend everything instead of just like having a board around your stuff. I could see, so people would say in the base game, I only played a handful of base game games, um, that this wouldn't come up as much. You know, there weren't as many ways to get random text. And so, you know, being able to defend kind of your your borders was more effective than it is now. And I, I could see that being interesting. Um, but there is still quite an investment needed for Lightwave Deflector because, you know, you're not getting maybe as many unit upgrades or other things. Um, but yeah, excellent tech. Probably number one. Let's go to weird rules thing of the week. So this one is an observation from Hadouken. And he observed, he had this observation about SARS floating factories. Let me just read about floating factories really quick. So floating factories are SARS space docks. And it says this unit is placed in a space area instead of on a planet. Um, this unit can move and retreat as if it were a ship. And if this unit is blockaded, it is destroyed. So blockaded broadly just means there are ships in that system of another player and not of your own. So he just observed that if SAR has only a dock in a system, so you know, not carrying of any fighters, anything else, I don't know why this would happen. But this again, that's why it's weird rules thing of the week and not like useful, helpful rules thing of the week. Um, that you could use the L1 hero to move ships there, or you could use ghost ship and destroy, you know, just destroy the dock. Uh, you wouldn't even have to activate the system. Argent hero would kind of do the same thing if, if there was a token already there or whatever. Um, thanks to Fled for pointing that out. But, you know, again, very silly thing. But if you're SAR, for multiple reasons, you're going to want to keep some kind of ship with you to avoid these kind of shenanigans. Um, also, chaos mapping explicitly only works to keep people from activating asteroid fields if you have a ship there. And your floating factories do not count as ships, so just keep those docks defended or, you know, don't, because I'm not huge on SAR being uh, extra powerful. So that's also fine. All right, with that, I'd like to get back into my tier list. The more I look at this tier list, the more I want to argue with it, but I'll just get it out there and kind of talk about each one. I think the the idea is I've shared in previous episodes, which is that some of these factions are so context dependent. Like, I really only want this faction if it has this, and if the raft is set up in a way that I can get, you know, Muat as speaker with a blue skip um, and lots of influence, then they're great, <laughs> you know. And so, but trying to to com you know compare that against like um, a faction that I don't need to take all that stuff, but maybe I take maybe I play. You know, I'll just say soul, for example. I play soul in a, in a slice that doesn't have everything soul needs. Um, and so I feel like I do worse with soul. But it's because I, I wouldn't have ever done Muad or what any other faction without the right setup. So I'm struggling with this uh, tier list. But I'll just go through the next uh, six. This is the rest of tier C. So the idea here was that these are ones that I wouldn't take in a first round of a draft. You know, they're continuing on the theme with, like, if they have the right setup, um, then, then they're quite good. Or I like them, but I don't want to take them in the first round. Uh, because they do need some some things around them. So let me just maybe talk about what I'm looking for with these six factions more than really getting into deeply like why I have them ranked this way because, again, I'm feeling less and less confident about my actual ranking. But number 18, I've got Yin. 
Yin is a faction that I have really liked when I have the Stardak Alliance. Um, I Yin is. I, the first two times I played Yin, all I was trying to do was get the integrated economy Yin spinner hero thing going, and then I that just totally distracted me and messed me up. Um, the last game I played as Yin, I did win. My tech path was absolutely garbage. Um, I only use, you know I didn't use any of it. <laughs> I like researched Duranium and then never gotten a battle with a mech or whatever. You know it was just all a waste. Um, but I didn't know. I thought I was going to need it for stuff. But I think that's my big thing with Yin is just. I really like their agent. I really like their hero. I really like indoctrination. I love being able to to win combats with like less investment. Um, for again, like picking those shots, like getting a combat win one when I need to. But, um, but I haven't played them without the the Stardak Alliance recently, and so I want to kind of come back to them. Uh, I don't know if I'm looking for anything specific with Yen. I guess I'd like a green skip. Um, in a blue skip would be nice if I can get right to gravity drive early because then later I can use their commander for other stuff but early I kind of like when I get an early gravity drive and then uh, green skip it's nice if I ever want to get Ian Spinner because it is cool all right number 17 let's go with the ghost of Krius this is a faction I haven't won with yet I've come very close I love this is what I love about ghosts I love their ability to stall because I, I keep getting sling relay and wormhole uh, generator and Sometimes even biostims, although that's optional. And then so I have plenty of stalls. I have lots of flexibility. Uh, you know, I have a couple big fleets, like maybe at home or wherever that I can move around and, and go take something late game. And so I love that flexibility. Again, it hasn't turned into a win for me. I feel like they play maybe too much into my pr tendency to like not have enough plastic on the board. And so I'm like, so like one game I played Krius, uh, or Ghost and I took trade like three or four times and still felt like I had the smallest fleet. So I don't know what I'm doing wrong with them, but... Um, but like them a lot, but again, I can I have them relatively low just because I can't quite figure out how to get them over the line. Argent, I could have probably swapped with Ghost, but I have them at number 16. I like them a lot. I've talked before about uh, how I don't really like their PDS. I like their Destroyers a lot, though, and those Destroyers give you a lot of flexibility to go do what you need to do. Um, with Argent, I don't even know what I'm specifically looking for. I guess I wouldn't yell about a yellow skip. Um... No, actually, their their area hollowatus doesn't even need a prerequisite, so I take that back. Um, I'm not. I don't know if I'm really looking for anything. Um, so maybe I just don't think they're that great. <laughs> Number sixteen, I don't know. Number fifteen, I have Arborex. So this is where I actually like Arborex quite a bit, and I and I struggle where exactly to put them because I think I really want a blue skip with them. I really want high resources. I don't really care about influence as much with Arborex. They have a stall for an agent. And because they can move and produce at the same time, they don't need as much influence. And so I'm really just looking for high resources, blue skip, and a path to Megatorex. And I uh, feel pretty good about them, actually. But uh, but again, I won't play them, probably, if I don't have a pretty good setup like that. Empyrean, I have at 14. They're a little bit like Argent to me. I'm not saying that they're like the same faction, but... Um, or even Ghost, like they're pretty flexible. They have a lot of abilities to, to get where they need to go with Aetherstream. I like that they're quite wealthy. That gives you flexibility to kind of spend money where you think you need to. But again, I just, I don't quite understand how to get Empyrean kind of over the line for whatever reason. And so I have them here. And then Muat, I have at 13, end of my tier C list. This is um, kind of just maybe me representing a little too much, just that I really like them. I think that they're great. But for me, I want probably one blue skip because I don't necessarily need to go full blue up, but I find that having gravity drive does help quite a bit. 
Um, if you give me like a yellow skip, I'll take that too. Cause then if I can get to uh, maybe do AI dev into um, their war sons basically right away, that is pretty attractive. So I can go war sons, maybe get a gravity drive and then decide if I need their other faction tech or if I want to keep going down blue. Um, and then what I also just want like a lot of influence. I almost don't even need any uh, resources hardly at all. I'm mostly just going to be star forging the whole game. I need enough to build like the second war sun and that's about it. Um, and then I can use their home for tech and uh, like a few other builds or whatever. But that's Muon. That's the end of my t my, my uh, tier C in my tier list. Um, feel free to argue with me. I'll probably agree. <laughs> I'm going to argue with myself already, but just thought I'd sh share that out there as a, you know, a little more stuff to say about uh, factions. All right, let's go into the various updates and wrap this show up here. I'm going to probably have a guest on in the next couple weeks, but again, did not get one this week. So this uh, various updates, I've got no updates on AC Terminant 2. I know that that's still going, but no other winners. PBD 2000 continues to be interesting. I just love looking at these different abilities and how they're warping the different galaxies. So I think I've mentioned how in our galaxy, we're the syndicate and we have a bunch of abilities that allow uh, people to like score, score points when they shouldn't be able to um, and, and things like that. And, or, you know, just spread money around like willy nilly. And so people are kind of realizing that getting like a big lead in that galaxy is going to be a mistake because we will like bend the will of the galaxy to, to make that, you know, kind of get them back into, into line if we want to or whatever to give us more time to score points. Um, the Enclave has an ability. Uh, other players must spend two tactic tokens to activate systems that contain their units or planets they control. Um, so that is like a wild. Again, Enclave, I guess they're just extremely defensive and don't want people uh, in, their, in their stuff. They also just revealed a faction technology, three yellow technology that uh, says when another player activates a system that contains your units, you may destroy any ground forces belonging to that player in the active system and any adjacent uh, any system adjacent to the active system. <laughs> I mean, I assume that they can bring in more units like after that, since that's when they activate, but uh, eh, just wild times. Um, and then what was the other one? Oh, Terminator. I just keep having a really good time with Terminator uh, faction. So their commander is at the start of a ground combat. You may place two infantry from your reinforcements on the planet. <laughs> offense or defense um and they got the soul commander paired with that so i'm just you know glad i'm not in that game i i don't know you can't beat them it's gonna you know have to be five against one i it does not sound like they are accomplishing that so again just kudos to this just being a lot of fun to to pay attention to and be a part of async rank uh we've got three new ministers and three new agents in the async rank as a reminder, the minister rank goes to anyone who wins a TIGL game and doesn't have a rank already. And then the agent rank goes to anyone who wins a TIGL, TIGL game against people who, um, well, if everybody in the game is already a minister or higher, then the winner will get uh, agent. We've got a, a few agent only games going. And so the winner of that will become the first commander. I mean, just we'll keep ranking up like that for now. So new ministers since the last episode are back at Matt, Pumwe, and Unoriginality. And then we've got three new agents. We've got Bam Bam, BLT, and the clothesline. Um, one other little stat that I pulled for this is we're averaging 49 days between people hitting minister and agent rank. So you know, I, I get the date that they became a minister, get the date they became an agent, just subtract those out, average that out. Um, 49 days currently is the average. The longest gap between minister and agent ranks was me <laughs> at 78 days. Um, 
So there you go. Congrats to, to the new ministers and agents. And then the the recent bot updates, not a ton of major ones. I know there's a lot of behind the scenes little fixes that keep happening, but the big um, major update is Thalnos. The crown of Thalnos allows you to do rerolls. Um, that is now implemented in the bot. Um, so it will give you an option to reroll dice. And if, if they succeed, they generate that extra hit. And if they do not, they die. <laughs> They're destroyed. So very cool. I just love the amount of uh, effort that continues to go into this bot and making it better and better, even when you think it's, wow, it's so much better than it was six months ago, three months ago, but it just keeps improving. So big thanks to the devs as always. And with that, I want to thank all of you for listening to another episode of Strength and Bonds. You can subscribe to this show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and various other places. If you liked this episode, leave a comment on the episode discussion in Discord or come by the Sandwich Bar to chat about the show. Uh, And remember, just because you can play TI at all hours of the night and day does not mean that you should. 